part two of our Hard Knock Life series. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves. Everybody say, humble yourselves. Under, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, everybody say the proper time, hallelujah, he may exalt you, casting all, somebody shout all, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour And this is where we're especially focusing on today. And he says, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself now repeat after me, say, restore, Restore. confirm, strengthen. Put some caffeine in that voice and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Now, these are my favorite pair of jeans. I love these jeans. Anybody else got a favorite pair of jeans that you have at your house? Okay, a few hands. I love these jeans so much. If you see Pastor Andrew wearing these jeans often, it's because I just love them. I love the way that they fit. They just feel secure. You know, when the, when, uh, when the, the dad bod tries to kick in. You know, they still fit around the belly and all of that. You know, like we still it's still good. You know, it it just works out. I just love it. The thing about these jeans, however, is that they didn't start out being my favorite pair of jeans. How many of you know that when you first buy certain articles of clothing, especially jeans, they usually come and they just feel like cardboard fam. It's just like straight, like like they belong on Ken or something, you know. And you have to the thing is. What you have to do in order for them to get to the place where they're like this and all loose and nice and fitting and whatever is that you got to put them on and you got to wear them a little bit. Come on, somebody. You got to stretch them. You got to stretch them. You got to do some stuff to them. You know, they got to they, they, they just happen to expand. And then even even when you put them in the dryer and wash them and stuff, they still come out and they might be a little short for a second because of the cotton or whatever's in there. But then, you know, just after a little while, they just get back to where they're supposed to be. Anybody know what I'm talking? Can I just preach about some jeans today? And so you, you got to break them in. Everybody say break them in. So those are my favorite jeans. You know, I'm not treating them like that, but, uh, but they're my favorite jeans, jeans nonetheless. Not only that, but I'm also wearing some boots, you know, for the, like these boots, for example. You know, I purchased these not too long ago, got them on a, on a deal when I was trying to buy some boots for my wife. You know, the man them just, you know, those, those guys that just throw in the old $15, $15, and just threw in like a little extra thing, you know, and, and I got them, and I like them. But even with these, you know, I just got them, and they're, they're taking a while still. You know, I got to wear them a little bit. Come on, somebody. In fact, I just, I remember this week, earlier this week, I was speaking with Trudy uh, because we were talking, we were talking earlier um, at, the, at our headquarters, and I saw her boots, and I was like, those are dope. And what I loved about them is that you can look at them and tell, like, she has put some miles in this thing, you know, in these boots. No shade, no shade, no shade. But they are sturdy and they look like, I just thought it was really cool because you can tell a lot about their person. I'm reading this book by Phil Knight called Shoe Dog, the, uh, the, the story of Nike and how it came together and all of that. And it's just talking about how, the, how you can tell a lot by a person by their shoes, you know. 
And so it's, I just love them because she's broken those shoes in. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this thing. Not only this, I have a baseball glove on my hand. How many of you grew up playing baseball or in Little League or something? Okay, it's a few hands. So the thing is this, with this glove, when I buy this glove straight out the gate, right? The glove is stiff. Somebody sees where I'm going. Looks really nice. But most baseball players, especially pitchers, right? They are not going to just take this and go out onto the field with it. Before they do that, they got to break it in. Come on, somebody. There's so everybody say break it in. Just like the jeans and just like the boots, right? This glove needs to be broken in. And so if you just give them a little time, they got to put the glove through some hard knock stuff. Somebody sees where I'm going with this thing. You know, they, there, there are a number of ways. There are a number of ways. Number one, they'll call it a method of breaking it in. They'll call it manhandling. So they'll do all sorts of stuff. They'll drive over the glove. They'll, they'll continuously be, you know, doing this, throwing, punching it, putting, put, throwing the ball in there, playing with it, stomping on, doing all sorts of stuff in manhandling it. And you'll look at it and you'll say, well, man, what are you doing to this glove? You're trying to destroy it? It looked so good when it just came off the shelf. But oftentimes, in order for them to get to the place where the glove has a sweet spot, in order to get to the place where they get accustomed to it, where they get comfortable with being able to use it, it has to go through some stuff. One of the processes uh, is the oils and conditioners that they use. Oils and conditioners. So they'll put some oil on it to make it more pliable and flexible. And, and so as they're manhandling it, as they're going through it with the glove, they use these oils to condition it and to help it get to the place where it's able to be flexible. Not only that, they'll, they'll often add what are called uh, glove tighteners. Where they'll put rubbers around it, rubber bands and things of this nature to hold it in the same spot so it gets tight for a little bit. Because they're trying to break it in. Everybody say break it in. Not only this, but oftentimes they'll also put it in some heat in a steaming method. And the heat that they're in, it's not like fire that's there to burn it and to disintegrate it. But it's, there's, there's, there's some liquid properties in it that will cause it to moisten and come to the place where it's pliable and it's easy to be able to, to bend. Because they want to break it in to make sure that it's to the place where they can use it to its fullest potential. Because although it may look good right now, it's not as effective and I'm not as comfortable with it until I put it through some stuff to be able to get it to be where it needs to be. Who's with me on this morning? The Bible, we started this series on last Sunday called Hard Knock Life. Everybody say Hard Knock Life. And we've been focusing on the fact that many of us have had to go through some challenging things in life up to this point. Many of you, your path, and I'd say for the majority of us, if I ask there's a show of hands, you have experienced hardship or are experiencing hardship in one form or the other at this point in your life. Can I get a witness? And sometimes, I don't know about you, but we looked last week at the life of David and even Jesus. We, we saw where David declared, especially in Psalm 113, that what he was going through, it didn't seem like it was fair. Especially we found where he was talking about how he was saying, you know, it seems as if the enemies, the waste youths, the people who are acting the fool, it seems as if they're progressing. 
Even while I'm going through what I'm going through. And I came to declare to somebody today to let you know that even if it may look like people on the outside are prospering, even if it may seem like there are folk that are going up while you're going down, how many of you know that the way in God to go up is by going down? And there are a lot of people who you are jealous of and you've been comparing yourself to with their ungodly lives and ungodly circumstances because you've been seeing stuff happening in their life. And I want you to let you want to let you know that most of the people that you are looking after and you're comparing yourself to and they're living an ungodly life that they are not to a place where they will be sustained and established. That's why there are a lot of people who will win the lottery and they lose it all in 24 hours. Because they go out, they didn't have the tools that were necessary to break them in so that they could weather the storm. Who am I talking to? They didn't have the godly principles that were needed to be able to sustain success. And there are many of you, you're going through some hard things in your life and you're wondering why the path and the journey is that God has taken you on. And it's because he's trying to season you. He's trying to break you in. He's trying to put some oil on you. Come on, somebody. Like they do with this glove. They put oil to make it more pliable. He's trying to put some anointing oil on your life anointing oil come on what are you talking about pastor it's symbolic of the holy spirit of god the power of god in your life he wants to break you because even with getting oil out of olives you need to crush them for the oil to come out and so the hard knock life that you and i have been facing it's oftentimes because god is trying to break you in so he can pour you out to a world that needs to know that he is a good and a loving god i don't know whose marriage i came for today i don't know whose mind i came for today i don't know whose family i came for today but there's good news from glory if you would humble yourself under the mighty hand of god in due time The Bible says he will exalt you. In other words, bring you to another level. Come on, somebody this morning. How we respond to God's mighty hand. How we respond to what's happening under his jurisdiction determines what it is that we will get out of the trouble. And so I told you that the thing about being in Christ is that your problems always have purpose. Your problems always have the potential to catapult you to another level. When you're in Christ, God can turn it around. And I told you last week, even your mistakes, he can turn those around and work them together. I'm preaching too too much good news for y'all to be quiet. Because there's someone who came in at the end of your rope and you feel like throwing in the towel. And God is saying, if you just humble yourself under my mighty hand. I will exalt you in due time. One of the things that they uh, talk about when you're breaking in, when you're breaking in these gloves is they say that, you know, there's their heat, right? But you're not allowed to use a microwave. You can't put it in the microwave because, you know, you might think, oh, you know what? It's going to be quicker. And so I'll put it in there. And, you know, and they say you can't put it in the microwave. You got to put it in the steamer, right? Because the microwave is just going to dry it out. 
and even though it happens faster it will end up breaking apart come on somebody and so they say you can't put it in the microwave you got to put it in a steamer so that the moisture remains i don't know who i'm preaching to on this morning but god's not looking to do a flash in the pan in your life come on somebody he's not looking to get you to get you good enough so you could just post it on facebook and then now it's done and then it's your all your things come to ruin the bible says the blessing of the lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it and there are many of you that you've been increasing in wealth whether it's material whether it's through friends whatever it is and it's been happening fast but then it all comes crumbling down and the reason why is because you've been trying to rush this thing who am i preaching to this morning says don't put it in the microwave don't don't put that marriage in the microwave don't 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 put that don't put that friendship in the microwave there's some people there's some children that you may have given up on parents uh, that you decided you know you put a timeline on it you said god i'm just gonna beep 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 put it there for 30 seconds and i'm gonna wait until this thing who am i talking to this morning you say i put a timeline on it and god is saying you need to put it in the steamer and let it get some time and not the microwave because even though it might take longer i'm gonna put in you everything you need so when you get it you'll be able to sustain it and i talk real today and so this breaking in this is what prepares us you know uh this is what prepares us to people who've been through stuff this is what prepares you people who are going through stuff because you're either in a test you're either getting ready to go into one or you're on your way out of one those are the three positions that you're going to be in in your life we're always going to have to deal with hard knock situations until jesus returns but the good news is that no matter what it looks like if you would humble yourself under God's mighty hand, he at due in due season, this whole text just talks about it, which we're going to unpack in a second. He will exalt us in due time. You know, Sir Edward Elgar, he, he once listened to a, a young girl singing a solo from his, of his own works, you know, so like she was singing one of his songs. And it's made clear that, you know, she had such an incredible voice, an exceptional voice, had much clarity, you know. It would bring people to applause and make them stand to their feet and, and all of this. But, but he says, he says, you know, when she had finished, he said, she will be really great when something happens to break her heart. Because it's one thing to have talent, but it's another thing to have anointing. What's the difference? Talent, you're born with that. Gifting, you're born with that. God destined it for you before you got here. But anointing is the oil that only will come through the crushing. Through some breaking. Who am I talking to? Y'all looking at me crazy. But I want you to know that oftentimes God has to take us through some painful situations. And that's when, I mean, I mean, when you take that, that chicken out the pack, you know, the chicken, it looks nice. Some people, uh, we just seen some memes on TV. People decide that they don't think they should wash the chicken. I don't know where they came from or they need some ratopsy, but that's another story. Uh, but you know, or they trying to wash it with soap and, and dish liquid. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's another world. But at the end of the day, you know, one once the chicken comes out, it's all clean and nice. But you got to put some seasoning on there. Come on. Even when it comes to jerking the chicken. Who am I talking to? It's some stuff you got to do. Who am I talking to? You got to put some seed. You got to make some. I'm not trying to make y'all hungry. I'm just trying to teach you this thing. Because there's some stuff you got to go through. Mr. Jerks there. Caribbean waves there after service. But you got to do some stuff to season it. And it oftentimes looks, it looks crazy. 
But I, you trust and believe if you ate that raw chicken, come on somebody, or if you just cooked it up and didn't put some seasoning on it, maybe that might work in some other context, but not in my house. Come on somebody. You can look at that fish and the fish could look cool and just bare and you just take it out and you just take a little pinch of salt and, and blow it on there. But that's not going to work in my house. Come on. The fish and the chicken might look crazy with the seasoning on there, with the stuff when you just let it marinate in the fridge overnight. But you trust and believe after that thing comes out the oven, even though it doesn't look as clean as it did when it came out of the package that it's going to taste and people are going to taste and see that it's good. Who am I talking to? There's some stuff that God is allowing to happen in your life and it's just seasoning, baby. In fact, look at your neighbor. Tell him it's seasoning. It's seasoning. It's seasoning. He's trying to season you up. He's trying to salt you up. He's trying. It might look ugly. It might look dark. It might not look as clean as when you came out the womb, but he's trying to bring you to a place that when people taste and see they will know that the Lord is good because if he can bring you out of what it is that he brought you through come on somebody then there truly is a God somebody give God praise for the seasoning and I love this so then so we're talking about this this concept of God breaking us in and not using the microwave and all of this. I love what he says in the text. And this is where we're going to head to uh, today. So he says in verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. So that at the proper time. Everybody say the proper time. He determines the time. Not you send the microwave. He may exalt you. And then I love it. This is what he says. This is how he unpacks it. Casting all your anxieties on him. So this is how you do it. Because, you know, anxiety is really, is really rooted in pride. Anxiety and fear are rooted in pride because you and I, it's when we think that we have to have control of the situation. Come on, somebody. That we, when we think that the hardship that we're up against, the hard knock situations in our life, we think that we have the capability of being able to solve. Why are you worrying about stuff that you can't fix? Unless you feel like you have the capability of being able to fix it. Somebody talk back to me today. I wonder if there's anyone that knows in this place that pride is ultimately the root of anxiety. And this is why I say humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He's saying that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your anxieties on him. Who's with me? Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Write this down. Philippians 4 verse 6. Paul says, be careful for nothing. He says, but everything in prayer and supplication make your repress known unto God. Notice he says, be careful or be anxious. Some translations say for nothing, but with everything in prayer and supplication make your requests known unto God and then look at the result in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4 and the peace of God which passeth all understanding come on it's, it's peace that don't make no sense will guard your heart and your mind you can only have peace when you have cast your cares on the one who is able to hold everything together in the palm of his hand i'm talking about a great god come on somebody and i love this because he's saying in so going back to first peter uh first peter chapter five and so that was philippians 4 6 and philippians 4 verse 7 for those who want to write it down uh but he says after this verse 7 casting all your anxieties on him why because he cares for you this is why we can do this god does not wear earplugs around his children at times if you're a parent you know that your children can drive you nuts 
And if you've been like me, if I can just be honest, is it okay for pastors to be honest? I've sometimes been sitting in the house and I've just go, I go into my own zone. The kids could be screaming, throwing stuff, doing whatever. And I'm like in the third heavens. Okay. Y'all don't want to be real with me. But every now and again, you just are like, you know, and sometimes you might even just lose it because they're just wilding out and going crazy. If I can just be honest on this morning, but God is a good, good father. I'm so glad he's not like me. Come on, somebody. I'm trying my best by his grace to love all my kids. But God is a God that the Bible says that we are to cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. This is why this differs from Buddhism. This is why this differs from Hinduism. This is why it differs from all of these religions that may focus on idols and have, and have uh, uh, icons and things that they will talk to or that they will have as a representation. I don't need an idol. Come on, somebody. An idol does not care for me. Something that was made by ha- the hands of another man has no power to be able to deliver me from what I'm going through. Can I say it in as non-insulting of a way as possible we love you and we thank god for you but your idols have absolutely no power and jesus come on somebody jesus is the true and living god and he has the love and the care for us and he wants us to speak to him you're not bugging jesus by speaking to him He's saying he cares for you. You're not annoying him. Some of you, you're like, I don't want to go to God because, you know, he has more important things to deal with in my, in, you know, than my little situation. And you don't realize that God cares for you. The Bible says that he even knows the hair or the hair that you used to have, the amount of hair that's on your head. But this is so good because notice then, I'm just breaking down the text. I love milking the text because notice he's saying, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you in due time. So the enemy in this context, he's telling us that the enemy is after our humility. He's after our humility. This is, this is an, in, in the context of the passage because then he goes on and says in verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So the context, he's talking about humility and humbling yourself under God's mighty hand. So what are we guarding ourselves against? What against? What are we being sober-minded against? It's against pride in the middle of challenging and hard-knock situations. Can I talk to you? Can I talk about it this morning? The fact of the matter is two of Satan's largest traps are isolation and narcissism in the times of challenge. Isolation and narcissism. A focus and an obsession with oneself is narcissism. And not only this and what you're going through and what how things are impacting you. And not only this, but then also isolation. You feeling like you need to be by yourself. And these are two of, this is all rooted in pride. Everybody say pride. And this is why the devil oftentimes will tell you, you know what, stay at home. Keep the, dro- keep, keep the, the blinds uh, drawn. Don't come out the house. Some of you, it took everything for you to come out here today. Because of what you were going through. And because the enemy wants you to think that what you're going through is so devastating. And you're, you know, you just become so focused on yourself and what's happening with yourself. That you forget that there is strength and that there is power in numbers. And where the people of God gather, there's enough power in our midst today to be able to meet needs. Come on somebody. There's enough power in our midst today to put demons to flight. There's enough power in our midst today to help somebody who has a mind that is bound by depression. 
expression to know that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. There is enough power in our midst to be able to go forward into victory. But pride often blocks us and challenges us to stay home and to go by ourselves. People be inviting you to go out. You don't want to go nowhere. Because if the devil can get you by yourself, if the devil can get you alone, come on somebody, then he knows that you, see this is the thing, I, and I say this all the time, I, can, I can't punch you out with my pinky. If I, if I hit you with my pinky, my pinky will break. I might not be able to beat you up, but if I put this fist together, there's a lot more damage that I can do. Come on somebody. So it is with us. This is the power of us coming together. This is why people shouldn't have to beg you to come to church. This is why Paul says, the supposed Paul in Hebrews 10.25, he says, not forsaking, forsaking, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves, talking to the church together so much as we see the day or the return of the Lord approaching. He says, this is the custom of some, but you don't do that because we need to come together to build one another another up come on we need to get rid of this cne christianity seeing you on christmas seeing you on easter seeing you on new year's come on and then the rest of the days we're like where you know the average person will go to church 1.6 times a month that's how the average person goes to church. You know, we'll make sure. And, and, and how? Because they'll go to a, a service and then they might attend a part of a program that happens in another day or something of this nature. And the fact is that many of us, we see gathering with believers as optional. And we don't understand that this is often one of the greatest attacks of the enemy. And God is desiring for us to prioritize fellowship because there is strength in numbers. Come on, somebody. So in context, Satan's greatest attack is against our humility. And one of those biggest tra traps are isolation and narcissism. You being so focused on yourself. Notice what he says, though, in verse 9. He says, resist him. Everybody say, resist him. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The text just preaching for itself. Because a lot of us are narcissistic and we're isolated because of what we're going through. And we think that we're the only ones that's going through what we're going through. When we don't realize, he said in the text, there are people all around the world naming the name of Christ who are being tempted to quit the same way that you are in hard knock situations. And many of us, let me help you with this. Many of us, we think that when the enemy comes up against us, because of your track record, you may have come from a path and a background of defeat, or you mo mo may have only seen examples of people failing. And so you think oftentimes when the enemy who comes and presents himself as a roaring lion, as bigger than you and as more ferocious than you, come on, you may shrink back and think that failure is inevitable. But I, this is why I love the text says to resist him. Come on, somebody. You want to know why I can resist him is because even though he may be presenting himself as bigger than me on the outside. Come on, Bills. Even though he may be presenting himself as bigger than me through that bully that's in my life and that boss that keeps belittling me and berating me in front of others. Who am I talking to on this morning? Even though he may present himself as physically bigger, there's something on the inside that's bigger 
than what's happening on the outside i hear first john chapter 4 verse 4 greater is he that is in me come on somebody than he that is in the world look at somebody preach to him tell him defeat is not inevitable you can resist the text says resist him that lets me know that if i resist that there's a chance for victory man i'm preaching some hope to somebody today i hear james chapter 4 verse 7 write it down james chapter 4 verse 7 it says submit yourself therefore unto god resist the devil and he will flee come on somebody i don't know if your situation's going to change but what i can tell you is that god can give you the strength and give you a godly perspective and even though the storm might not shut up the storm inside of me will shut up and that's why i can be in the middle of the most hellacious situations and still have the peace of god that passes all understanding because i'm anxious for nothing man i want you to grab this stuff i i love it because look at the text resist him firm in your faith uh, now, 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 there are two there are two ways that we can look at what he says here in first Peter chapter five is where I'm at now again. First Peter chapter five in, in verse nine, he says, resist him firm in your faith, knowing I know. But before I go there, look at this firm in your faith. Everybody say my faith. No, not so no, note this. There are two types of faith that scripture will talk about. And there are scholars that kind of bounce back and forth between what he's referring to. Uh, because he can be referring to the faith, which is generally speaking of the Christian faith, Christianity in general. But he also can be speaking, aside from the faith as Christianity in general. Notice, I love how they were intentional about saying in your faith. Come on, somebody. And that is speaking more towards my faith, what God has developed in me by the grace of God or by his work and the power of the Holy Spirit as I've seen God do the miraculous in my life as I've seen him work things out not just for me but for others in my life my faith gets strengthened who am I talking to and so he's saying that you need to stand firm when you're facing the enemy this time you need to resist him firm in the fact that the same God who brought you out the last time is the same God that has the capability of giving you the strength to make it through this hard situation this time somebody say my faith and i love paul you know paul says uh some incredible things i just i love in romans chapter 8 and i'm just putting scriptures out there because you know you got to feed yourself with these with this word and i encourage you some of you guys you just show up and you're like oh i heard a message hallelujah and you just go home and you're just like oh how wonderful that was glory to god and you're just you don't crack your bible not one more time for the week do you eat only once for the week Okay, so so why can you come to church once and then close your Bible and go home and then you wonder why your tail's getting whooped through the week? Can I just keep it real? And this is why why we're going to write this stuff down. Take it, take it in, fam. Take it in so you can walk this thing out. I love what Paul says in Romans 8 verse 38. He says, for I am sure. Somebody say sure. Some translations say, I am persuaded. Oh, I love it. I love it. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. He says, oh, this makes me so excited. He says, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, yes, preach with me, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come. Hey, he's speaking to his future. Nor powers, nor height, nor debt, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Man, did anybody else hear that passage? He probably talks about what happened in the past. He talks about what's going on in his life right now. And he says what's going on in the future. None of that is capable of separating us from God. He is persuaded. In other words, he is to the place where he is sure. Would you like to be at that place in your life? Where you are sure, I mean, he had faith. He was sure. He didn't know how stuff was going to turn out. But he just made a blanket statement that whatever he's going through, it's not capable of separating him from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you something? I think this is so dope. Peep this. Peep this. The word for persuaded or sure there is the Greek word uh, pytho. Everybody say pytho. And it's important because the, the, the New Testament was written in, uh, in, in Greek and Aramaic, right? And so here in the passage, I just think it's really cool because, yes, we get the word persuaded or we get sure. You know, he says, I'm sure that this is the case or I'm persuaded. But one of the words that translates there is the word uh, pitho, which it means to tranquilize. Everybody say tranquilize. In other words, what he's, he, he's, he's communicating is, you know when, when, uh, when Bambi is out in the forest and the mandem are trying to get some deer meat? And so oftentimes what will happen is they will shoot a tranquilizer dart. will stop the deer right in its tracks so it can't go anywhere. It's stuck and stopped in the same position. Come on, somebody. Can I break it down? Paul is saying, I am tranquilized that no matter what I've gone through no matter what's happening in my life or no matter what happens in the future I am standing in this place and I'm not going anywhere else because I know that what I'm facing is not going to separate me from the love of God. Who am I talking to today? Some of you, you've been blowing all around and you've been tripping because of what you're going through when you need to let God tranquilize you standing firm he says in my faith. Am I in the book? Look, so so go back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we're almost done. 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you, you have suffered a little while. Everybody say a little while. After you have suffered a little while. And I love this. I love this because, you know, at the end of the day, when I was, uh, you know, with our children, they will always, they are always asking, are we there yet? Any parents? You could have just left the house like two minutes ago from going from Oshawa to, to, uh, to Mississauga. And they're going to ask, are we there yet? Because even though it seems right up here, even though it may seem or even though you know that they haven't been going long enough, their perception of time is not to where they understand the amount of time that's necessary for you to get from Oshawa to Mississauga. Who's with me this morning? And so when I think about it, this is the way oftentimes that it is with God. <clears throat> I make pancakes for my family. I make pancakes on Saturday morning. Uh, this is just something that I do. I tell you guys all the time. I'm a one trick pony when it comes to food. I make uh, pancakes. I actually made pancakes for y'all a few, uh, I don't know how long ago that was. 
like last month or something and you, you lived so praise the lord but this is the container that i make pancakes in come on somebody and the thing is that you know as as in typical west indian fashion it's very rare that what's on the outside of the container come on somebody is actually what's on the inside of the container if you go and see this in somebody's fridge it could be rice and peas it could be flying fish it could be also you like oh sky crackers and then you open that joint and, you, and it just hits you in the face you know like i mean this is this is the way and so i use these things this is this is what i use to 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 make my pancakes and so this is the pancake mix that we'll have today and so i'll go ahead and put that in there and so when when the, th- the thing is this right if you were to ask me how long it takes me to get this these pancakes ready i might say it'll take a little while and then this is the thing, right? I add some water in this thing and I'm getting it prepared. But the fact of the matter is that a little while is actually relative. Because one time because in other words, what I need to do is I need to get to the place, watch this, where I'm able before I start pouring it on the frying pan, then I beat out the the knots and the bumps because i don't know how many of you have had pancakes that still have the 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 the, the clumps of flour in there it might have been five minutes one time that it took but based on the amount of clumps that are in here come on somebody it's going to determine the length of time that a little while is going to equal and there have been some of you in your life and you've been looking and you said well this person they only got whipped for three minutes and then they got poured out so god oh it must be only three minutes that it's going to take for me to go through the whipping and that's what happens that's why comparison is the devil's playground can i just talk about it for a second comparison is the devil's playground because you may be looking at someone else and you don't even know their background you don't know they might be they might be looking nice on the outside and you don't even know what's going on the clumps of flour that god needs to whip and whip and whip out of them and so a little while is relative stop looking at people and trying to determine how long it's going to take for god to do the work in your marriage come on stop looking at other people's job situation and thinking oh well god this happened to them and this such and such and such and then you know and this is why even as church planting it's very difficult because we can look at churches and we say oh this happened with them so maybe this is what's going to happen with us i have thrown this thing out and i'm like god however long it's going to take come on somebody for you to beat all of the flour out of there because I'm not just trying to have pancakes for the sake of having pancakes I'm not just trying to have pancakes to be able to say that I'm done who am I talking to but I want to make sure that when we get on that skillet and when that that uh, that batter starts to form and when it gets on the plate and when there's syrup on it and when it hits somebody's mouth that they're not having clumps of flour but they're able to taste and see that the Lord is good so whip me Jesus come on somebody no matter how long it takes you got to change your perspective of suffering let him keep whipping you until every evil motive comes out of your heart who am i talking to let him keep whipping you until all of those bad spending habits
habits are broken off. Let him keep whipping you until your mind gets to where it needs to be. Let him keep whipping you until you get, come on my preaching to this morning, until every clump of flour that needs to be out of me is out of me so that I can come out in a place of being strong and solid and tasting good. And then what he says here in the text, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, somebody say the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I like that word. God is not looking to make you a flash in the pan, but God is trying to get you to the place where you experience establishment. Where you get to a place and you don't just get there, but you're able to stay there and impact other people as a result of what he does in your life. Who am I talking to this morning? So don't quit in the process. Let him break you in. Let him do everything that he needs to be done so that you can get to the place where breakthrough takes place in your life. If that, if that message blessed you, go ahead and give God some praise today.